You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 24. Remember, build your house upon the rock and build it with authority. It's Father's Day and primarily spent that time obviously dealing with the men. But in verse 24 of Matthew 7, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them. You've got to put hearing and doing together. Hearing without doing will get you in more trouble than if you never heard it. Because the more we hear Bible truth and we don't exercise it, the more guilty we become before God. Him that you know, knows to do more should do more. To whom who knows more, that more is required. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him to a man, wise man which built his house upon the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew, and the beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand, and the rain descended. And the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and I take note, and great was the fall of it. We had two more verses here. And it came to pass that when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine. You don't see that much, but they were astonished. But then it gives us exactly why. In verse 29, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Father, thank you for the privilege we have to be together tonight. Thank you so much for the young people. Thank you for godly music. Just thank you for the warmth of this congregation, the privilege to be with them. I am grateful for that. And I pray that you illumine our hearts and minds to understand Bible truth. But then, Lord, not only to understand it, but to act on it, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. They may be seated. I want to emphasize again from this morning that your pastor and any pastor has a great desire to see when you stand before God that you'll get everything he wants for you. And I want to remind you again, whether you realize it or not, or whether you're convinced of it or not, But he wants more for you than you want for yourself because you don't have that ability and I don't have it either. And I like to just put everything in his hand and just let him do that. When I think of that, I think about my responsibility. I I think about your pastor's responsibility. Anyone who stands in this pulpit. James 3 says, Be not many masters, my brethren, knowing that you shall receive the greater condemnation. See, what does that mean? That means if I tell you something from the Word of God that is not true from the Word of God, I have put myself in a very precarious and a dangerous situation. I want to remind you that Moses, one of the greatest servants of God who ever lived, and you think about all that he went through, uh, but he uh, did something God told him not to do. He he smote a rock one time, but then he's supposed to speak to it, and he smote it. Now, as far as I know, that's the only exact time that the Bible said he stepped out of line. And it wasn't maybe a big one, but he was one of those that led. And God said, Moses, you're going to see the promised land. And he gave his life to get them out of Egypt and take them to the promised land. But he said, 
but he'd say you smote a rock. That's what he was talking about. You're going to see it, but you're not going in. Now, I've thought about that, Brother Jason, a lot, because I don't want to have that uh, placed in my lap. You say, what's the other side of this? I answer for what I say. Your pastor answers for what he says. You have to answer for what you're going to do with it. And you will answer. You will. Just like if I say it and it's wrong, it doesn't make any difference whether I want to or not, I will. And if whoever speaks here, no matter who it is, is true to the word of God and you don't do anything with it, you're going to put yourself in the category of the man that built his house up on the sand and I can guarantee you that you do not want that. Now I mentioned that I wanted to just kind of speak a little bit more towards the ladies tonight if I could and and I want to do that now. And I'd like for you to turn to Proverbs chapter 31 and we're primarily just going to read Proverbs 31 and we're actually not going to read all of it but the bigger part of it. And we often refer to the Proverbs 31 woman. I'm telling you, she is an amazing lady. I personally believe that I have one. You don't have to believe that. Um, and maybe you won't know until you've had a lot of years with your wife. I mentioned this morning we have 59, and Lord willing, in a few months we'll have 60. But quite a lady. Verse 10 of Proverbs 31, Who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies? And the heart of her husband doth safely trust in her, so that he shall have no need of spoil. Spend some time on that. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. She is like the merchant ship, she bringeth her food from afar. She writheth all while it is yet night, and giveth meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. She considereth a field and buyeth it. Real estate woman, huh? With the fruit of her hand she planteth a vineyard. She girdeth her loins with strength and strengtheneth her arms. She perceiveth that her merchandise is good. Her candle goeth not out by night. She layeth her hands to the spindle and her hands unto the distaff. She stretcheth out her hand to the poor, yea, she reacheth forth her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She maketh herself coverings of the tapestry. Her clothing is silk and purple. Her husband is known in the gates. Now in the gates back then, it means a place or a position of authority. Someone who has really made it, and that's where her husband is. When he sitteth among the elders of the land, she maketh fine linen and selleth it, and delivereth girdles unto the merchants. Strength and honor are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in time to come. She openeth her mouth with wisdom, and her tongue is the law of kindness. She looketh well to the ways of her husband household, and eateth not the bread of idleness. Her children arise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praiseth her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. 
Favor is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. I think there's quite a bit more said there about the woman than is said about the man. I think it's to bear in, good to bear in mind the trinity of the Godhead when we think about families because there's a lot of similarity. Now, none of us have any trouble understanding God the Father. That's something we're very familiar with. Maybe we don't have any trouble understanding Jesus Christ, the Son. I think maybe a little more trouble understanding the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit in either in Greek is never given in the feminine gender, but the Holy Spirit fulfills the role more of what mom does than any other part of the Godhead. As a matter of fact, we'll not turn there, but over in Matthew chapter 1, I believe it's about verse 18, so that when Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found of child by the Holy Spirit. What I'm trying to say is that the Holy Spirit had a particular involvement with what mom was going to be doing, what she was going to produce. And, and I think if you just look at the Holy Spirit being known as the comforter, usually when someone's sick around the house, it's not always dad they head for first. It's not always dad that nurses them back to health. And I don't think we need to spend much time there and that you can see that similarity. But the main truth I want you to bring out is they never had a struggle with each other. Although it would seem like one of the Trinity would maybe have it better than the other possibly, when Jesus Christ was being flogged and the flesh being torn from his bones, it might have been feeling better to be the Father or somebody else. Or when the Father was so grieved and had to witness that and had to turn his face away, maybe it's better to be the Holy Spirit. I don't know. What I'm trying to say is, even though the Father was the planning part of the Trinity, they knew other than that, they were equal. That's the way it is in the family too. Now I've mentioned this morning, we draw from Matthew, that God makes men creatures of authority. Ladies, God made you a creature of influence. I just read it all the way through Proverbs chapter 31. That's right. yes. It is full of influence. If you read leadership books, you will read from some of our best writers that leadership is, and the word will be, influence. It is so powerful, and you can see it all the way through the word of God. Now, I'm going to mention a few of those places to you tonight. And just like authority, authority can be used for good. We talked about that this morning in Winston Churchill and maybe some other applications. Or it can be used for someone like Hitler and really not just, that wasn't pure authority. Authoritarianism, he was a despot's what he was and on the wrong side of that. So authority can be used for good and, and can be used for bad, but so can influence. So we go back to the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. And now Satan comes, and as I mentioned this morning, I don't know why he came to Eve first instead of Adam. I think because 
he didn't like God's order, but he should have talked to the man first, but he didn't. We don't find that Adam was attracted to the beauty of the tree. Fact is, men don't know much about beauty. <laughs> My wife says to me, if you painted this house, you'd paint the whole thing battleship gray, wouldn't you? <laughs> yes. And men don't mind hanging up pictures for you. Just make up your mind where you want it before you have us hang it up. We don't want to hang it but once. And when we move in the house, tell us where you want the furniture because we don't want it moved either. <laughs> but these are just differences. I can remember us moving the furniture, but it had been one way for five years. I got up in the middle of the night, hit it at about 30 miles an hour to the bathroom and right into the wall, you know. And it... <laughs> Some of the things that happened. So there they are. And the future of the human race was hanging in the balance. Only Adam, he was the seminal head, could put us into sin. She couldn't. Now, she could get herself in trouble, but she wasn't the head of the human race at that point. She was not the seminal head. Adam could have stopped it. He had the authority. Eve had the influence. Who won? I'm just, I'm just trying to prove a point. Yes, I'm not at right and wrong now. I'm just saying, how powerful was it? Amen. You have a lot of power. Probably never before in America would you notice how much power that ladies can exert. I don't have a problem with ladies having power. I'm glad that my wife has great influence I'm very thankful. I don't think I would ever been able to pastor Eastland Baptist Church I, like I did without my wife. She was a great leader of ladies. The best I could ever do at Eastland, get that church running in the 600s, and I worked, and she'd have a ladies' retreat and run between 1,000 and 1,100. Just knocked me right out. And I'm so thankful for the influence on all those ladies. So you can see it right there. How about Isaac and Rebecca? You're familiar with them. They had two boys named Esau and Jacob. Esau was born first. Uh, in a Jewish culture back in then, it was what you call the law of primogenitor. And the firstborn son uh, would be the primary heir. He'd get twice as much as any of the other boys in the family. He would kind of be like the priest, so to speak, of the family. In other words, he was just number one in everything because of the fact that he was the firstborn. Rebecca favored Jacob. But she could not pass on the blessing. She didn't have the authority. But she had influence. And so what she did, as you know, told Jacob their plan and that she was going to take some of the fleece, you know, and so forth because he... Esau was like a hunter. He was a burly guy, hairy and all that. And, and um, they're going to have to make sure that dad would mistake, uh, you know, Jacob for Esau. And that's exactly what they did. While Esau was out hunting, getting some of that meat for his father, uh, then his wife, Rebecca, was uh, busy, you know, getting some meat ready that he liked as well. And Jacob takes it in. And 
He said the voice is the voice of Esau, but he had Esau's clothes on and everything. But the smell is of my son. I smelled the field and so forth. And, and come near my son. And he touched him. And so anyway, uh, Jacob got the blessing. You know, she didn't have the authority. Only Isaac had it. But Rebecca had the influence. Who won? She won. John the Baptist. Remember when Herod married his brother's wife and John the Baptist, by the way, he was a Baptist. <laughs> Someone said to one of my friends one time, he said, I guess y'all think John the Baptist was a Baptist. Uh-huh. <laughs> his wife's name, his brother, which was his brother's wife, was Herodias. And she hated John the Baptist. And she wanted him dead. She didn't have the authority. Herod kind of respected John the Baptist for his stand. He didn't necessarily like him, but he was in prison. And he may have stayed there for a long time. But Herodias wanted him dead. But she didn't have the authority to do that. So they had a big dinner one night, and probably a pretty wild one. And so Herodias evidently had a beautiful daughter and had her dance before Herod, and I know not what kind or whatever, but it was very moving. And so he said to the daughter, I'll give you whatever you want up to half of the kingdom. She didn't want anything, so she asked her mom, Mom, I don't know what I should ask for. What should I ask for? The head of John the Baptist on a charger. She didn't have the authority. She had influence. Right. Yes. Who won? I'm going to tell you, ladies, America's got enough bad influence from your side right now. And we men have a lot of trouble with bad authority. And it behooves us to use godly authority because godly authority, use right, is more powerful than any other kind of authority because God is the author of it. And ladies, he's the author of influence as well. No question about that. Now I think about some other situations in the Bible as well. Think about Timothy. There are some men in the Bible that just seem to be squeaky clean. And then, of course, most of us have dark spots in our lives. Nobody's in here is perfect. And I hope that didn't hurt your feelings. And I talk about spirituality sometimes like warts. I said, you know, everybody's got a wart. Somebody may have one on the neck where you can see it, and someone has it on their britches where you can't, but everybody has a wart. And since we have mistakes and so forth, but people like Daniel, you can't find it. Maybe it's there, but you can't find it. And you get to Timothy, and, Pastor, I can't find it. He's just squeaky clean. wonder why. Because his mother Eunice, his dad's not even in the picture. There's X number of ladies that have to raise their own children because dad is gone. And another large group of ladies that have to raise their children because dad just not doing his job. Men, for God's sake, don't become a couch potato. Know what's going on and be involved in the life of your sons and of your daughters. His grandmother, Lois, 
Both his mother and his grandmother were godly women. I love what Paul said about Timothy in the book of Philippians. And he needed someone to help take over a church. And he said to Timothy, I have no other man like-minded but you. What a great investment there. You know who made that young man? It wasn't the Apostle Paul. It was his mother and his grandmother. Susanna Wesley. Man, it's a husband, an alcoholic, left early, 12 kids. So as I read, she spent time with every single kid every day. Then you come up with a John and Charles Wesley. You see them in your songbooks. Dad made no contribution there. Mom paid that price. What influence that mom's had. Maybe the one that catches my attention the most is Jochebed, the mother of Moses. Remember the story of Moses, don't you? Back when boys were born back then, it's bad to be a boy. If you're born as a girl, you're okay. But in Egypt, if you're born a boy, you're thrown into the river. And as a matter of fact, Moses was thrown into the river. It's just his mama built an ark around him first. And his father was involved. You can see that in Hebrews, but he was not the main player. It was mom. And so you know the story, it's amazing. The sovereignty of God kicked in. When we do what we should with our free will, no matter who you are, you do what God wants you to do, His sovereignty kicks in. He'll help you do stuff you can't imagine. And we can never do it. If you just start reading that, everybody else is having to throw them into the river and she's coming up with this little ark and builds it and so forth. I'm thinking, I don't want to be in any kind of little ark that somebody puts together. It's just kind of like a basket is what it was like with some slime and some pitch on it. And you put it in a river and you've got a little bit of current and so forth and so on. I mean, I'd get on my horse with my kid and ride rather than I'd probably want to try something like that. But piece by piece, you can see God paying attention to what uh, this mother's doing. Pharaoh's daughter comes down to wash. I'm sure they'd been watching this enough and they knew when she would come. Somewhere, mom and sister, you know, stepped out, and it was actually Moses' sister who watched what happened when Pharaoh's daughter came down, and they saw that and sent one of the maids to get it. And the maid brought it back, and when he opened it up, the babe wept. (laughs) I always say, Pastor, it was the right kind of weeping. Otherwise, they'd have said, let that basket go. Close the lid on that thing. But God was involved and it touched the heart of Pharaoh's daughter. <laughs> and then his sister's got all his courage and just wades out there. That would be kind of like walking up to take the president's hand without permission. You know, that's not good. But she did and God was involved and said, would you like to have one of the Hebrew ladies to nurse this little boy for you? And she says, as a matter of fact, I would. Now, mama's when you've got the right kind of influence, I want to show you how God works. We have gone from a mother who's supposed to throw her baby in the river to the people who said throw him in a river. We're going to pay you your wages 
to take care of your own baby. Now I can see y'all processing that real. It's amazing. And God's the only one that can do it. Now we don't know how long that Moses' mother had him at the max four to six years because when he was weaned. Now Hebrews back then didn't look at weaning like we do. In America, we want to wean them quick as we can. And I was a baby again. I'd want to be weaned quick too because I don't want any of that green slimy stuff. I want mashed potatoes and gravy. Amen. <laughs> you brothers with, you know, the Gerber stuff. Yes. But they usually looked at it as when the child is old enough to maybe go get a drink of water on their own. So maybe up to maybe even six. No one puts an exact date on it that I can find, but I'm working on a point here. So he was at home with his mother. Let's give him full six years. And then he shipped out to Egypt to a total pagan country. And he'll never really know or hear anything about Jehovah God. And when he's 40, 34 years without mom's influence, and he's faced with a decision. And he chose to suffer affliction with the people of God yes. than the treasures of Egypt. Mothers, how strong is your influence? What if we take your son or your daughter and ship them off to a communist country where they'll never hear anything how will they be doing 30 years from now? Or can they even make it through school and come home in the evening? God is no respecter of persons with men or women. Now until by looking at faces, you're struggling with it. I would be too. But it's in the book. Yes, sir. It's in the book of Hebrews as well as right here. That's how powerful her influence was. Amen. I believe in my son's own life. I'm, he's never been a rebellious child to us. He's not been rebellious to me as his dad. He's not been to his mother. But I'll tell you, he'll do something as quick as mother says it, that if I said it, maybe more so. Because she has a great amount of influence in his life. Now, one of our problems in America is we have a lot of ladies don't like the influence, they want the authority. Okay. But it's not what God designed you for. Can't you tell the difference in the two? Some people still struggle with understanding the difference in a man. And a woman, my mom, bless her heart, she always smelled good. She always soft, sitting in her lap when I was a little boy. That was better than any recliner they've ever built. <laughs> Oftentimes, my dad, as my wife tries to be nice when she talks to me, and she says, you smell earthy. <laughs> That's Greek for you stink. <laughs> my dad smelled earthy. He had whiskers on his face. My mama's face was so soft. My dad was like sandpaper. Yeah. Sitting in my dad's lap was like sitting on a concrete bench in the park or something. I mean, <laughs> it, it was just all so different. 
my dad had authority and my mom had influence. Please let them have both. Dad, mom will not be free to major on influence if you don't leave and she's got to pick up your slack. And you're going to know every time you look in the mirror that you're not doing it the way you should. Then we come back to the ladies and ladies. You'll say, you don't have any idea how dumb my husband is. I do. I'm a man too. (laughs) And I've made my fair share of poor judgments. And I know sometimes you ladies are trying to save your husband a heartache. Now, ladies, if you don't understand how men learn, let me explain it to you. Let him make his mistake. And then pray when he falls that he falls real hard and busts his nose. Thank you, men. I've got some men that are honest here. I'm sorry, but we learn hard. And sometimes we have to have it. And then sometimes you're trying to bail them out, which I guess is good from your heart, but it's not what he needs. Let him make that decision if he has to make it. Now, my wife is my best counselor. And you can, ladies can visit with her all you want. And I ask her about this tonight, some of the things, I, the series I'm going to preach and stuff. She is my very best counselor. And I think the reason she is and she does her very best is because what happens to me is going to happen to her. I mean, we're one. And we're going to do everything together. We're going to finish together. And I'm, I'm thankful for her counsel. Amen. But years ago, I said, hey, baby, I want your counsel. And it's kind of like that advertisement on TV with a guy with a hearing aids. And she gives it to me. And she says anything else. I said, I heard you the first time. And I don't want to hear it again. <laughs> Y'all don't have that commercial up here <laughs> where the son says, I love you, Dad. Finally gets his hearing aids. I heard you the first time. I just want to hear it again. I just changed the last verse. Because <laughs> then it moves from counseling into another category at that point. And ladies, if you desert your influence, which I have seen many ladies who have, and have tried to move into the area of authority. There won't be a vacuum there very long. And I'm going to tell you how it's going to get filled. No one is designed to have the influence that you have. But if you leave the spot vacant, your children's peers are going to fill it. And the number one reason that young people are on drugs, not because their mom and dad put them on it, it was their friends. Friends have influence. Friends have no authority. They only have influence. So if you want to give your position up, 
and to move into your husband's territory, you can do it. When I think about authority and influence, my mind goes back to old cars I mentioned, I think, in Sunday school. Real cars with a standard transmission and a clutch. And all those, yeah, thank you, brother. <laughs> and some of those old cars weren't synchronized real good, those transmissions. And when they weren't synchronized real good, they could tear up some gears in there if you didn't know how to handle the clutch. My illustration is like this. If you take godly authority and godly influence and they synchronize, the devil's going to have a hard time. And sometimes we have authority and we have influence, but it's not synchronized. And you need to be together. I've often said, other than being my life's mate, which is the greatest blessing my wife has been to me, I mean, I'm, this woman has followed me through the Grand Canyon and flown in airplanes with me and that I was flying and Ridden on a gold wing motorcycle. Man, love hearing those culottes at 75 miles an hour. <laughs> Try it. <laughs> Makes more noise than those things I used to put on the spokes of my bike when I was a kid. <laughs> But other than being my life mate, the thing that she's done is my greatest contribution is to raise my son in my absence exactly the way I wanted him raised. Because when I was in the Navy, I'd be gone four months at a whack. You say, what does that mean? Oh, like son, you're supposed to be up at seven o'clock and by 7.15, you need to be in there for breakfast. And don't you ever come to the breakfast table without your hair combed and your face washed. Your mother gets up and goes all that work to cook. I'll burn you at the stake if I find out about it. You better be ready to go. So maybe I'm out of town and my wife goes in there and it's 7.15. He's still in a sack. Oh, mom, dad's an android. He don't need any sleep. I couldn't go to sleep last night. It's just 10 more minutes. And mom says, okay. Well, you know, Brother Hart, it's only 10 minutes. No, you just stuck a knife in the husband's filth rib and twisted it. Because what you told him is, you're right, your dad's wrong. You'll find out. God keeps good records. And I know my wife probably said, uh, Wayne, you better get out of this bed before I go get the rolling pin. It'll do more than roll dough. <laughs> and as a result, God's been good to our family, not because of anything about us. God is good. Yes. And he wants to see a family just have the greatest time ever. And so tonight... Guess what I was just want to say to you, that you would pair your authority and your influence, because I'm going to tell you right now, 
It is your child's best chance. Put them together. Could we all stand? Heavenly Father, thank you again for your goodness to us. Thank you for the faithfulness of these people, for the campers, for the good report we have. And thank you, Lord, for the privilege for Grace and I had to make that trip and to be at camp and to watch these young men and young women and use our talents. And I know when they go back next year, they'll know more about the camp. And I pray even now there'll be some moms and dads deciding their heart. I'm going to ask pastors something I can do to help develop their talent to be prepared. And Lord, I think about all the contests of singing and the people that were in it and so forth. And, and uh, Lord, I know uh, Evan here at the church that plays, and I was thinking about the young man at camp that played, young black man that played the piano so well. And I found him down at Cowboy Town and told him what a wonderful touch he had on those keys. And we just want our young people. And when I say our, I, when I'm at a church like this, I feel like we're part of it too. And that every young man and young woman here go as far as they possibly can. And mom and dad would help. And Lord, there's moms and dads here that may not have any children to go to that camp. They could still be a blessing to somebody else. And Lord, how many young men out of Bible college didn't have a dad that I've had the privilege to try to make room for and love them as if they had a father. There's probably some young men like that right here and some young ladies as well. So tonight, as I give the invitation, I just ask Dad, first of all, you're the leader of the family. You're the one that should lead to the altar. You're the one that should lead to Bible reading and to all the things of God. Maybe you and your wife uh, need to talk to the Lord together. I don't know. And ask God's blessing on your sons and on your daughters and on your life that you could live according as he has designed you and look forward to the great blessings of the future. And I ask it in the most gracious name. Amen. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.